Welcome to the second episode of Snooze Hoops. It is Wednesday, March 20th, and this month we'll be breaking down each week of postseason play for Michigan State as the Spartans prepare for the NCAA tournament. I'm Casey Harrison with fellow State News basketball reporter Chase Michelson. How are you doing today, Chase? Casey, I'm doing great. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. Uh, but we're from our studio at the State News Newsroom in downtown East Lansing. In today's episode, we'll discuss the madness that is March and why it could only be the beginning for Michigan State. For Michigan State's independent student voice, this is Snooze Hoops. Last time we recorded, Michigan State was coming off a 75-63 win against Michigan at the Breslin Center on Senior Day to win a share of the Big Ten regular season championship and top overall seed in the conference tournament. Fast forward seven long days later, uh, and the Spartans have put together three wins in three days, all against NCAA tournament teams, and seemingly topped itself uh, after each day. Yeah, uh, obviously Friday you started... Um, with the 12.30 Eastern, 11.30 local game against um, Ohio State, which was coming off a close win over Indiana that was sort of a play-in game for the tournament, and that's kind of how it turned out with Ohio State making it in, Indiana not. Um, MSU, I thought, played pretty well, and then the big story out of that game was Foster Lawyer, the freshman from Clarkston, career-high 14 points, four made threes. Um, he was... Yeah, like he was the story, and, and he gave MSU some valuable minutes when Cassius Winston was banged up and seemingly a little bit disinterested, which is sort of what we talked about last week and why I think neither of us thought this team was going to win the conference tournament was because their incentive to do so from an NCAA tournament standpoint was pretty low, and it might have actually hurt them. Yeah, um, we'll we'll talk more about where Michigan State where Michigan State is seated later. Uh, but I, I I think you know I I want to talk about Wisconsin how Kenny Goins put together another big game. He also had four made threes. Uh, Thirteen points was kind of the unsung hero of that game. But that leads into Michigan, and I I think that's the whole storyline from that weekend in Chicago. Yeah, you know. Kyle Ahrens goes down late in the first half um, with maybe one of the most gruesome injuries I've ever seen in person. Um, now we know that it is a badly sprained left ankle. We thought it could have been broken. He was lifted off in a stretcher. Um, you could have heard a pin drop from the United Center floor. Um, it was just so quiet in there. And uh, right after that, Michigan goes on a pretty decent run to end the first half. Um, early in the second half, they're up by as much as 13. And you know, you could have written Michigan State off as no chance uh, to win that game at all. But like Michigan State has done time and time again this season, uh, they claw their way back. They're a huge second-half team. They surged, um, and it was capped off by a 10 nothing run with the last two and a half minutes to play. Um, Matt McQuaid hits a, a three that negates what could have been a dagger um, from Isaiah Livers, right? Isaiah Livers, yeah. yeah, and... Uh, that it starts that run and it ends with Cassius Winston laying up right under the basket with 28 seconds left, puts Michigan State up, um, and that United Center was rocking. Yeah, that was one of the most emotional moments I've ever seen Tom Izzo. And he said after the game, he opened his press conference and he said, "I've I've never been prouder of a team." And to think that a guy who's been at Michigan State for 25 years as a head coach and 
30 plus as a head coach and assistant to say that I'm about a team that had, you know, the Big Ten tournament matters, but like we said, it's not necessarily one of their primary goals early in, early in the season. Um, but for them to do it in that fashion, coming back when it really felt like that was going to be a game that they could have easily just given away um, and said, you know, we, we had the life sucked out of us with the injury with four minutes left in the first half, and then Michigan went on a run, and they're up 13. And it, I mean, I, we didn't think that. Michigan State was coming back. No, I, you know, you were the one who wrote the game story. And, it, but if it were me, I would have written Michigan State off right there. I would have kind of been mad at myself because I would have had to change everything. And, you know, I, I, I think the tone of the game, and it can be best summed up by what Izzo told his players, um, because you and I were talking and we thought, I, I think Michigan State was down like nine or something at half. It was and, eight. Eight. Yep. Yeah. Um, and we thought that you know, what does Michigan State do in this situation? Do they come out? Because at, with Arns going down, like, with four or something left in the half, all of the momentum swung to Michigan's way. There was zero life in Michigan uh, Michigan State's bench. It, it was like you just took a vacuum and cleaned up. You know, it, it sucked up all the energy. And Izzo said, you know, do you guys want to play for the game or do you want to play for the NCAA tournament? And he said that to his team pregame, and it came up again during halftime. And, the, you know, they said, we want to play for this game. We want to try and win a Big Ten tournament championship. And, you know, not to make it like a, like a scene out of Hoosiers or something like that, or Rudy, but, you know, not to make it like, like, a, like a storybook ending or anything, but they come out and they dedicated the game to Kyle Ahrens. And Matt McQuaid just couldn't be stopped. He kept making three after three. There was the 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 one that started that big run. There were two hands in his face, and I don't know how he did it. Yeah, uh, McQuaid was hitting shots that you know he's obviously always been a good shooter, but he was hitting bad shots. Yeah, I mean he was seven for thirteen from three, which is ridiculous. He is a career high twenty seven, um, and. You know, like he said after the game, him and Kyle have been roommates since their freshman year. They went and got Chipotle after practice today, even though Kyle's, you know, on one leg. Um, and, you, you know, you, you, you don't want to sort of over-simplify things and just say, well, oh, well, it's just because they wanted to win for Arns, because obviously lots of different things happened. They switched Aaron Henry on to Ignis Prasdikas in the second half, and I really kind of slowed him down after he was unstoppable in the first half. Um, they changed some things offensively. They got Winston kind of going downhill. But they also made shots and had an energy that we haven't seen. And it, It's a type of energy, and it was a type of run that this, you know, we... Every time, it, you know, we do a stand-up after the game, I, I feel like we're trying to say that we haven't seen this out of a Michigan State team in a long time. And I think that just goes to show how special this group of players is and how mentally tough they are, you know. That they, they see one of their most loved players go down and, you know, and they, they don't quit. They don't go away. And that's the type of mental toughness they didn't have two or three years ago with Miles Bridges or even back to the Denzel Valentine days. Um, that that could take them far in this tournament. Um, and so I think the biggest question out of this is, did this actually, you know, from a player standpoint or watching the games, you know, 
you found out how good Michigan is, or you found out how good Michigan State was, and the fact that they beat Michigan three times, and that that's not to say that Michigan is a bad team because they're they're also you know probably at least a Sweet Sixteen if not deeper team. Um, yeah. But but after all of that, how does Michigan State end up with the number two seed? Well, I think the issue is less that they're at two because I think that. It's about where they got placed, and it's I, I you know it's you about and I who have they got placed it. with. Yeah, because with Duke being the number one seed um, in the region that MSU is in, which is the East region, um, you know they could have gotten a quote unquote easier number one seed in either Gonzaga, UNC, or Virginia. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the rationale the committees um, said was that essentially they go one through sixty-eight, and they just look geographically. So they go, okay, number one Duke. Duke will start in Greenville and then D.C. because that's closest to them. And number two, number three, number four, number five, number six. And so whatever's left at that point, they give the seeding or the location, I should say, to the team with the highest seed. And so at that point, with Tennessee as the number five overall seed, according to the committee, which I'm fine with personally. They got blown out on Sunday against Auburn, but whatever. I, I don't think that Michigan State beating Michigan – I don't think it's splitting hairs at that point. So I don't think it's a big deal that, that Tennessee was above Michigan State. I think the issue is Tennessee got put in the South region, so they got put in Louisville, which is fine. Um, and then if you're Michigan State, you, you're either in the East in D.C. or you're in the Midwest in Kansas City, which is 115 miles further from East Lansing. Um, and as Izzo said in his press conference today, in this era where we're almost like the Jetsons, that's his word, um, flying an extra 30 minutes doesn't if that. really matter and that there should be some consideration given to um, rewarding teams for their seasons. And so the idea that Michigan State is above Kentucky, but Kentucky gets to play in the Midwest is odd. I don't subscribe to this theory that it's the committee screwing over the Big Ten and they hate Michigan State. I don't that's I, I don't think that's what it is. I just think that the, the process is a little flawed. And I think that Michigan State happens to be the team that um, got the brunt end of it yeah. this year. And and you know, after Monday's practice, reporters were talking amongst themselves, um, and they said if it was different in the sense that if they got the same seed that Michigan got, so if they were the two seed in the South, they would have played, you know, the number one seed out of that region is Virginia. And right. the story would have been on a national level how Virginia got the blunt end of the stick or the brunt end of things by having Michigan State as a two seed. Right. Um, so, you know, it's it's very interesting just because it, it all depends on where you're, you're at in the country and what news you consume that turns out, you know, what the narrative is. And I think just being in this region that a lot of MSU fans were upset with it, you're you're seeing all this come out. Right. And then I think that if it wasn't Duke. Exactly. Because MSU or Izzo is like... 1-11. Yeah, against Coach K. Um, it, you wouldn't be seeing that. If it was even a UNC who, you know, I, I think um, UNC has a pretty good record against Izzo. Um or Gonzaga, you know, it, it's different just seeing that Duke and Coach K have definitely had Izzo's number, and that's not unfair to say. 
It's not unfair to say, and I think it's this particular Duke team, and it's one particular player. And we'll get back to that in a little bit. But when we come back, we're going to talk about Michigan State's uh, first-round opponent and a little bit more about them. Casey, are you ready to promote the Bradley brand? Of course. (laughs) That's all we do. Um, so Michigan State, uh, is, their first-round opponent is uh, a 15 seed out of the Missouri Valley Conference, the Bradley Braves. Um, they'll play on Thursday around approximately 2.30 Eastern or 25 minutes after Louisville and Minnesota get done in the battle for Rick Pitino's soul. Um, so I, uh, the question that we're going to talk about here is obviously who is Bradley, what is Bradley, and how did they make the tournament? But why is Bradley? Why? That's uh, a great question. So Bradley finished uh, the year 20 and 14, and they were the representative, like you said, of the Missouri Valley Conference tournament after beating uh, Missouri State in the first round, Loyola, and then Northern Iowa. And I think the most impressive feat out of that is perhaps beating Loyola, a Loyola team that went to the Final Four last year. They killed Sister Jean. Metaphorically. I mean, that should just be a punishable offense just like that. I mean, how could you put Loyola away like that? Like... Michigan last year, they should be ashamed of themselves solely on the fact that they, they crushed the biggest Cinderella story in such a long time. They crushed their dreams. You know, Mo Wagner's actually being punished for that right now. He okay. has to just sit on the Lakers bench and let LeBron yell at him while he doesn't play defense. While the Lakers don't make the playoffs either. No, they're gonna they're they're only like six games out with eight to play. They're almost there. <laughs> Uh, so Bradley, they entered the conference tourney as a sixth seed, um, and they beat Penn State earlier in the season. Uh, but that's not really much of a surprise. Penn State uh, stinks. Um, but I overheard Dane Fife uh, Monday saying that how good of a shooting team the Braves are. Um, I don't know if he meant that as a team because they're only shooting thirty six and a half percent from three. But one of the guys that they have, Daryl Brown, um, he's their leading scorer, averaging a little more than fourteen and forty four percent from deep. Um, you know, he, he's their point guard, and he's obviously going to go up against Cassius. Uh, you know, uh, that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. But, uh, you know, MSU has to be a heavy favorite here. Is there a possibility that MSU gets Middle Tennessee stated again? There's always a possibility. I would lean no for a couple reasons. Um, the first reason being that Middle Tennessee State was criminally underseeded that year. That was a team that won... 27 games in the regular season, I think, somewhere around there, um, and had just a lot of talent that Bradley doesn't really have. Yeah, and I think yeah. if, you know, like, good for Bradley because they won the Missouri Valley Tournament, but when you look at the games, they were all very narrow games. Like, they were, I think the the largest margin of victory was three points. Um, and so, you know, they, they play their competition close, at least they did in this postseason, um, well, they were down 18 to Northern Iowa yeah. in the conference tournament championship game. So they came back and won, so that's good, but they're certainly not a force in the Missouri Valley. So. Exactly. And I just don't see a, a world unless, you know, Kenny Goins isn't himself, his knees are bothering him, or Cassius Winston isn't able to do what he does on a regular basis. Um, that, you know, e- even Izzo was saying that. Uh, the bigs are going to have a chance to rotate between uh, Xavier Tillman, Nick Ward, and uh, uh, da, 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 Thomas Kithier. Um, just in the sense that, 
you know, keeping them fresh in a, for the, the possible Saturday game. And the mantra within the team has become win the weekend because it's not something Michigan State has done, um, you know, for the past – this will be the fourth year now if they don't do it. Right, not since 2015 have they made it to the Sweet 16. And when they did that, as a seven seed, they made it all the way to the Final Four. So assuming Michigan State takes care of Bradley, they would play the winner of Louisville and Minnesota on uh, Saturday, um, time TBD. But that game, Louisville-Minnesota, uh, like you said, the battle for Rick Pitino's soul, I feel like there should be an award just for that game. Maybe a banner since there's not one for the 2013 oof championship. Large oof. Uh, both teams at M- MSU. It's not my fault. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't cheat. You're right. You didn't. So, I mean. Kudos to you. Thank you. For for keeping it honest. Appreciate uh, it. But both of these teams, uh, MSU, have played earlier this season. Um, but you and I talked after the U of M win on Sunday that they're clearly a better team than Minnesota. Um, and it seems like everything needed to go wrong for MSU to lose against Louisville at the Yum Center early, like in November. But just, you know, if MSU plays like they have as of late, I mean, they could advance pretty easily to the second weekend, right? Yeah, I think so. I think I think that the concern with Minnesota is the fact that obviously it's hard to beat teams in conference because they know you well. Um, and Minnesota has a matchup that is tough for Michigan State in Jordan Murphy. Um, I think if Xavier Tillman plays the way he's played against Michigan – that won't be an issue. If he plays the way he plays against Indiana, it could be an issue. I also think, you know, like the possible Jordan Murphy matchup would greatly benefit Nick Ward, um, right. you know, because that's that's the style that he likes to go up against in terms of other bigs. Um, and then with Louisville, I mean, Michigan State lost that game because Cassius Winston fouled out with, you know, a couple minutes left. Um, and Matt McQuaid missed that game because he had a, a thigh injury. And so, and and also it it got sent into overtime because Foster Lawyer, who was one of the greatest free throw shooters in Michigan high school basketball history, didn't make it. Yeah, he missed the front end of a one and one. You know, I, I will say though, I think Louisville is a much different team than they were at that time. Um, now this is the post Duke co- collapse, a Duke Dukeopolis, if you will, um, a, a Zion apocalypse. Um, but I think that Jordan Moore is a really good player, and I do think that he could give Michigan State some trouble. And the reason I say that is because Michigan State's had some trouble with players like Iggy Brazikas. Yeah. And now they're not exactly the same, but they're both big guys who can put it on the floor and who can also shoot. And I think that that's, I think that's tough for anybody to guard. I think that Kenny Goins has had a real trouble with Brazikas, and I wonder in that matchup if they would put Aaron Henry, who's from Louisville originally, um, on Wara, because in November, Aaron Henry was, he was a rotation piece, but he was not a centerpiece. He was not a guy who was, you know, since he's been inserted in the starting lineup against Penn State in early January, he's averaging over 30 minutes a game. And so that's a guy that they could potentially put on Wara, and hopefully for them, Kind of slow that down a little bit. I like Christian Cunningham, Louisville's point guard, um, but I think that obviously Winston's, you know, going to win that matchup or should win that matchup if they're both healthy. Um, but I do think that I think that Louisville's a good team. I just don't know 
what they would have to do. They would have to make a lot of threes, right? Like in the first half against Virginia, at home, Louisville made a bunch of threes, and they had like a 12-point lead at half. And then all of a sudden, they stopped making them, and Virginia caught passed them. So, I don't know. Yeah, and and I think one of the things that we haven't talked about from a Michigan State side is keeping guys fresh. And I think that's a big key for this team to make a big run in the tournament is Kenny Goins can't be playing 38, 39 minutes a game. You mentioned Aaron Henry, who's made defensive leaps and bounds, and they're trying to get him more involved in the offense now. Um, Izzo was talking Monday how Aaron Henry is so good at getting to the elbow and then dishing it out. And if they could get him to take the shot more or even perfect at passing to Cassius or McQuaid getting open in a corner, that it would open things up from a three-point shooting perspective. Um, but if, you know, especially now that Kyle Irons is done for the year, most likely, um, this you're going to be relying a lot more on Gabe Brown. Right. And that, like, obviously nothing could happen to Matt McQuaid or – Aaron Henry. Yeah, definitely, because they do not want to be starting Gabe Brown. Tom Izzo doesn't want to be playing Gabe Brown. He didn't play him against Michigan, even though Lawrence only played six minutes before he got hurt. Henry just played the whole second half. So, But he's going to have to play him a little bit, um, I would think, I would assume. And uh, he's a guy who's been prone to defensive lapses before. And, you know, as Izzo says, well, he's a freshman, and I think Henry's a little more advanced than the rest of the freshmen are. So obviously, like, we can't pick and choose and we can't play what-ifs when, when it comes to injuries. Um, but a possible Sweet 16 matchup could be LSU or Maryland. We'll get into that if the time comes. Um, and I think the one that everybody is looking forward to um, in the East region is definitely uh, possible Duke-Michigan State. And I, I thought it was pretty interesting. Joel Lenardi came out and said um, that the committee kind of quote-unquote gaffed uh, putting Michigan State with Duke. But he has Michigan State going to the Final Four. And and he says that, you know, with 12 Quadrant One wins um, and one of the grittiest road neutral site teams uh, this season, that they also match up fairly well with Duke. But I'm not too – I don't really buy into that um, because I I just have this mental image in my head of Xavier Tillman – guarding Zion, and it just does not end well. Yeah, I have this mental image of Zion sort of dunking the entire state of Michigan into the lake, and I think that that's the concern. Um, I think that from an athletic standpoint, it's a team that's not at the level of even previous Michigan State teams, let alone this Duke team, which is like maybe the most athletic college team we've like ever seen. Like, I don't know, 2012 Kentucky was pretty athletic. 2015 Kentucky was pretty athletic. Um, This team's up there. Uh, Zion is ridiculous. It doesn't seem like he's playing the same sport as everybody else sometimes. And it's not even just Zion. I mean, right. it's the rest of that freshman class. And right. they have three top five picks, you know. And that's just... It's You're talking about Joey Baker, right? Of course. Okay, I'm just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, it's just, you know, everybody has said from day one... Well, not day one, because technically Kansas was the uh, preseason number one. That I don't know what they saw in that. 
Uh, but that ended horribly. They saw the Lawson twins, and they saw Quentin Grimes playing like he did against Michigan State for the rest of the season, and he did not. And so, like, Duke has been this, you know, conceived team that is going to win it all, but they have their faults. I mean, they've lost five games. They've lost to Gonzaga earlier in the year. They lost to Virginia Tech. Um, and Virginia Tech is in the same – they could end up playing in the Sweet 16. Uh, but I, I guess that's just a, a story for another day, you know? Yeah, I think Duke has lost some games, obviously, but with Zion, they've been really impressive. They've only lost twice all season when he's been in the lineup, and so I think they were deserving of the number one overall seed. You know, like I said, this is one of the more talented athletic teams that we've ever seen in college. Um, But at the same time, it's a bunch of 18-year-olds. And Michigan State, for the most part, plays guys that are, uh, you know, can drink legally. (laughs) <laughs> and that's different. You got a point there. Um, you know? You know? I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's a long ways away, obviously. But, yeah. And yeah. If, if the stars align, um, that's how we're going to be taking this podcast in a direction um, in the weeks to come. But I think uh, up until then, what's your final four? What's my final four? Let's see. Um, I like Kentucky out of the Midwest region. They've beaten North Carolina already this season. I think they can do it again. I think they can do it in Kansas City, which will be 98% Kentucky fans, especially if North Carolina beats Kansas in the Sweet 16. So I like uh, Kentucky out of the Midwest region. I like Tennessee out of the South region. Um, Picking a pair of two seeds there, and that would set up a fourth game between Kentucky and Tennessee, this one in Minneapolis, which would be interesting. Uh, Kentucky took the first one by a lot at Rupp. Tennessee took the second one by a lot at Thompson Bowling. And Tennessee took the third one in Nashville by very few. Um, Out of the West region, I'm going to take Gonzaga because I think they're really good. Um, I think that they move the ball better than any team in the country and better than any team we've seen in a few years. I think even better than Villanova. I think Villanova was a little – Villanova of last year I think was – it was, it was a lot of threes, so it made it felt made it feel more deadly. I think that Gonzaga's ability to get to the rim with Tachimura and Tilly and Clark is really outstanding. And I don't sleep a lot, so I watch a lot of Gonzaga. Um, not a lot. I don't sleep. Not a lot. I just don't sleep at good times. And then Duke out of the East region because uh, everything we just talked about, the fact that uh, Zion Williamson's not of this earth. And R.J. Barrett's pretty good, and Cam Radish is pretty good, and Trey Jones is pretty good, and they got Joey Baker. So that's all you need. Yeah, I, I think for my bracket, and I would like to give a shout-out to former state newser Chris Vanini, uh, who made the PSA on Twitter today that if you pick multiple brackets but you choose different teams in your final four, you're a coward. Um, and I, Yes. Uh, so I'm going to say that Duke probably makes it out of uh, the East. Um, I'm not really picking any groundbreaking stuff. Um, I, I, I feel like the number one seeds, there's a huge differential between top seeds and middle seeds and bottom seeds. Um, but also, nobody has ever gotten a bracket right ever. So what do I know? Uh, I would go Duke in the East, probably Zags in the West, UNC in the Midwest. Um, but I would go with Tennessee in the South. Uh, I just, I, I don't like Virginia as, as a postseason type of team. I just don't think, historically speaking, um, they, they finished strong to end the year. Um, 
But obviously, March is mad, and teams like Loyola and Sister Jean can make their dance. Yeah, no, that's true. I think I think the one thing with Virginia, obviously, um, that's a little bit different this year is that they're a lot stronger offensively than the sort of prototypical Virginia teams that try to win 42-40. to 40. That's not quite how they do it anymore. Um, I think DeAndre Hunter is a really good offensive player. I think Mamadi Diakite is a pretty good offensive player. And then Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy are shooters. I mean, of course, they were on the team last year, but DeAndre Hunter was not healthy for the sort of infamous in my circles and famous and others lost to UMBC in the first round. And I think that maybe that's a different game if DeAndre Hunter plays. And I think, and well, I don't think he will play um, in this tournament. And so even though Virginia lost to Florida State in the ACC tournament semifinals, I mean, they've only lost three times all year. Um, so I, like, I have them in the Elite Eight, but I do like Tennessee in that matchup. Like, you know, we were talking about that um, because I think Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams are the best one-two punch in the country. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, okay. Cause, yeah, because I don't like R.J. Barrett. So, yeah. Fair. I'll say Fair. it. Fair. Yeah. Not, uh, not personally. I should mention. He's, he's, he's probably a fine human being. Probably a fine. Maybe he's Canadian. So, I mean, that kind of answers the question there. I'm sure he's really nice. I mean, that's the stigma, but uh, sure. Let's go with that. I'm fine with it. Um, should we wrap this thing up? Yeah. No. I Yeah. So, like, sort of going back, obviously, bringing the focus back to East Lansing, Michigan State, Bradley, Thursday, Des Moines. We'll be there. We will. Thanks for listening to Snooze Hoops, the State News' March Madness Breakdown podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TSNCast and at TheSNews underscore sports, on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com forward slash State News, and always online at StateNews.com. Follow us at our personal Twitter accounts at Casey underscore Harrison 1 and at Chase Marino 13. Tune in next week when we preview the second round of the NCAA tournament. Welcome to Snoozecast, where we take an in-depth look at the state news's biggest stories of the week while bringing new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. You can find us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash state news and always online at statenews.com. Hi, I'm Matt Schmuckert. I'm Jamison Draper. If you're looking for some new music to listen to or maybe even some piping hot music takes, then check out our podcast, Snoozic, airing every other Tuesday on the State News Podcast Network.